and welcome back to episode 14 of the Hoops Crush podcast. As always, today I'm joined with Eric Brandt. We just had a big trade happen yesterday. We had four Blazers games to talk about. We got some trade rumors as well surrounding our squad. Uh, we got Jeremy Grant being talked about. We got Brogdon being talked about. So we got a lot to talk about today. Eric, before we go any further, though, how are you doing on this fine day? Oh, pretty good. Uh, most of the ice around here is starting to melt off, so it's people are able to get around easier again. And uh, yeah, uh, not sick anymore, so that's good as well. How about you? How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good as well. I'm glad to hear you're not sick anymore. So, uh, so DeAndre Aiden wasn't too crazy for not leaving his house. Like, is it really that bad down there right now? Uh, certain areas were pretty tough, and it was it was just like a sheet of ice. So even if you had some sort of traction, um, you know, like tight uh, snow chains or whatever it still probably wasn't good enough to get up and down some hills. And he's battling that knee tendonitis that um, he's had for several weeks on and off now. So uh, probably not the good, the best idea for him to venture out onto the ice to try and make it somewhere to, to get a ride. So probably the best decision, even though it's kind of funny. Yeah, especially, I mean, the reason why he's getting so much crap because it's DeAndre Ayton. Obviously, there's a lot yeah, of, you know, things right. with DeAndre Ayton. So, it makes sense when that came out. I knew he was going to get a bunch of, you know, crap thrown at him because of it. But uh, I didn't realize it was that bad down there because, you know, my initial thoughts were like, wow, that's kind of weird. But, you know, obviously, I'm not there, so I don't know exactly mm -hmm. what's happening. It's pretty cool down here as well. Nothing like that, though. Uh, but, uh well, we're we're pretty weak here in Oregon when it comes to this kind of stuff. It just like any bit of snow or whatever just completely shuts us down. But yeah, when it's when it's ice though, it's it's understandable because yeah, sure. like you can't really do anything with ice. All right, so we had four games, uh, you know, that we have not talked about, uh, and I'm gonna be completely honest for these four games. I really slacked watching the Blazers this week. Well, the oh, first man, the first reason, obviously, the first two games I told you. I can't watch Thunder games. I can't watch Timberwolves games because League Pass blacks them out. Of course, I could stream them, you know, from the sites, but I just hate doing it. I don't like dealing with it. And so, whatever. I didn't watch them. And then the Suns and Blazers game was on at the same time as my favorite playoff game this weekend, Lions-Rams. So, I was going to watch Lions-Rams because that was the game I was really excited for. And then... I was watching the game last night, and I told Eric before we started recording this, I actually fell asleep at halftime, literally. I woke up at 5 a.m. on the couch downstairs with the TV on lights on. So, really messed up because, obviously, the ending ended up being pretty damn good. Uh, mm -hmm. sec second time, Simons has torched uh, the Nets for, I think, a game winner this year. Uh, so, yeah, uh, really unfortunate. So, I don't know. You might have to carry me through the four these four games, but it looks like <laughs> the first one isn't too crazy. We put up 77 <laughs> points. <laughs> Yeah, the first one. So we had the last two games of our seven game road trip, uh, which was a back to back in OKC the first night of the back to back. And they just did not show up. They laid a complete egg, lost by 62 points. Uh, the team overall shot 27.7% from the field. Um, just an abysmal game that you should be very happy you didn't watch because it was torture. And unfortunately, um, that's also Sharp's last game he played in. Uh, he went three for 14, was not good either. I don't think anyone was really good in that game. But um, yeah, three for 14. And then uh, his adductor injury flared up again. And he missed a couple games. And then they announced that he would be reevaluated in two weeks. So no Shaden Sharp. For the time being and who knows how much longer he'll be out after those two weeks yeah it does not sound good for uh shade and sharp hopefully he won't be gone too long but i mean obviously he got a lot of minutes or a lot of minutes to start the season don't know if that had anything to do with it but it's really unfortunate to not have him on the floor obviously yeah and then the next night we go into minnesota and we only lose by 23 but the game wasn't really that close. Uh, it, it uh, like, I think we cut it to nine at one point after getting down big early. Um, but they, it felt like they were just toying with us. Anthony went 0 for 10 in that game. Uh, Jeremy was 4 for 15. So very, very bad performances from those two. Um, 
so obviously not a good performance from those two. Uh, and yeah, just ended the, the seven game road trip with one win out of the seven and just did not look good in most of the games other than against the Nets. And then, um, so we come home, like you said, we played the Suns. And this is a game where we have no Jeremy, no Brogdon, no uh, Thibel, and Aiton's still out. So all our vets that we've been talking about trading, um, we didn't have any of those guys. And we ended up losing. Um, it it wasn't really a close game. I think we cut it to four at one point in the fourth quarter. Um, made kind of a run. It was fun. Um, but overall, um, it was just, I really enjoyed the game, even though we lost. Um, there was a bunch of fun performances. Like Ryan Repair comes off the bench, scores 11 points in 14 minutes, and left you wanting to see more of him maybe um as the season goes on and uh this is the game that scoot had 33 his career high um unfortunately it took him 31 shots to get there but you got to be a good player to put up 31 shots in an nba game right (laughs) he also had nine assists in this one uh but for me this game was the final thing i needed to see to be like okay this team can still be enjoyable to watch uh, a lot of these guys can step up and do fine without the veteran players. And so, like, this was the final thing for me to say I'm fully on board trading them all, even though I was pretty much on board with all of them. Um, I, I'd say trade them all. I don't, we'll get to that in a minute. But um, I, I just thought the young guys really tried hard after several games where effort was an issue, in my opinion. And the ball was moving around um, a lot. Uh, the the offense, I mean, we didn't, like, light the nets on fire, but we, I, I just felt like they played a good style of basketball in this one. And unfortunately, you know, you just don't have the pieces to stop a team that's pretty healthy in the net, uh, in the Suns with uh, KD and Booker and Beal all playing in that one. So, I mean, it was tough to stop them. The Suns did shoot over 60% from the field in that game, so we didn't really do anything defensively. But offensively, I thought it was fun. One thing I saw uh, you know, from Blazers Twitter is that they really enjoyed this uh, game with all their young players playing, which is something I hope we can look forward to, obviously, when all the vets are gone, seeing this on a consistent basis. Uh, as I mentioned, I didn't get to watch this game. Um, I was with some buddies watching the playoffs, but... Um, you know, I saw nothing but good things, even though we lost, I saw a lot of people saying they had fun watching this game. So I did miss out and, uh, I was a little upset about it, but, uh, you know, hopefully I get to see it more after, of course, the deadline has come and gone. Yeah. Or at least more, even if there's, uh, we don't trade everyone, like play them a little less and play some of these guys a little more. Yeah. Yep, but then the Blazers' final game on uh, would have been Wednesday night. They played the Nets again uh, after beating them on the road. They beat them again at home, so they sweep the season series with a team. Uh, didn't think that was going to happen this year. Maybe the Pistons, right? Um, but yeah, we already lost to the Wizards and the um, the Spurs, so we can't sweep them. Uh, but yeah, Grant had 30 points. Anthony Simons with a beautiful game-winning floater over McHale. Uh, Duop Reese had 17 off on just nine shots. Um, but yeah, pretty good uh, game for the Blazers and always exciting when they get a win. Um, and we're now 40 games into the season, just one away from halfway through. Um, so yeah, how are you feeling about this team overall right now? Uh, I mean, I'm feeling okay about it. Obviously, we kind of expected us to not be very good. Um, but one thing I will say is Brooklyn, I don't know. I mean, losing to us twice, not getting a single win on us is kind of crazy, I feel like. Uh, you know, obviously to a team that's somewhat trying to compete right now, that's not a good sign, in my opinion. But uh, obviously, yeah. first half was pretty close. Uh, Mikel gets off to a good start in the first quarter. Uh, Simons was missing some shots early. 
Uh, but yeah. yeah, and then Jeremy Grant sounds like he had a big second half, you know, scoring 30 points, and then Simons hits the game winner, cutting down low to the basket. So, um, yeah, Brooklyn. I don't know, man. It's not looking good for you guys. I'll say that eight games under 500 committed to building around Mikael Bridges. I know they don't want to be bad because they don't own their future draft picks, but they're already bad anyway. So, or yeah. at least, you know, I, I think they're three and 14 over their last 17 games or something. They're, not great. Been, been really bad. Not great yeah. No, there's talk. They might go after DeJounte Murray, but I don't know. Like you said, that's it. They're in a weird spot because they don't have their pick this year. So they don't want to like bottom out, but I don't think like trading assets to get a guy like DeJounte is necessarily the answer either. So I don't know what you do if you're the Nets. Yeah, Brooklyn, you know, they dug themselves out of that hole from obviously when, you know, the uh, Billy King, Billy King, right? Billy King trade or or just even whatever they did. I forgot when Sean Marks got over there, you know, they like took on bad contracts, got a bunch of first round picks and then. You know, obviously set themselves up for Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving to sign there. And things were beautiful for them. Really good turnaround. And then it just, you know, takes a, a bunch of steps back again. Uh, and now you're in a weird spot again. So um, I wish Brooklyn luck on their adventure of trying to find a way or find a direction again. <laughs> uh, but they are definitely in a weird spot. And I'm curious to see what they do as we approach the deadline because I'm not sure what they should do. If I'm yeah. them, they, that's a hard job right now. Yes, it is. Although, they probably overvalued some of their players a little bit this last offseason. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think you just got to bite the bullet and say you're not getting your pick this year. And I think I think you still try to get as much value as possible for the guys you have. Because obviously, there's a lot of guys on their team that a lot of teams would want. And I know it's going to suck losing them. And you're getting no benefit of sucking this year. But you're sucking <laughs> anyway. So, I don't know. Good luck to them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but obviously, with that all being said, we have a, I don't know, do you want to start with the trade talk for the Blazers? Do you want to just go ahead and get to the Siakam trade of the Pacers? Let's talk about Siakam. Okay. I'm ready it. for it. So obviously, Pascal Siakam is headed to the Indiana Pacers. It was rumored for quite some time. Uh, obviously, you have the Kings in the mix, the Warriors sound like they're in the mix, the Mavericks. Uh, but the Pacers always seemed like the team he was going to go to. Uh, of course, they give up three first round picks, uh, you know, want their 2024 pick. Uh, their own pick, and then they get like a uh, worst of Utah, Oklahoma City, and I think there's another, and Clippers, I believe, or something like that. Um, and then, of course, that future 2026, Bruce Brown is heading to Toronto. Uh, you got Jordan Awara heading to Toronto. And then, of course, Kyra Lewis ends up being a salary dump in this trade. Uh, that way, the Pelicans get under the luxury tax, and then a second-round pick is going back to the Pacers. So, um, overall, I actually like this trade for the Pacers the most obviously they get the best player and the picks they're trading don't feel like they're going to be that good anyway like 2026 obviously remains to be seen who knows maybe the Pacers right. aren't good or an injury happens things happen in the NBA we don't know but at least this year it doesn't seem like those picks will be very good obviously Oklahoma City's pick is probably going to be really really late uh Indiana you'd expect it to be a you know teen late teens early 20s pick so this is a home run for Indiana as a team that is looking to accelerate their timeline with Halliburton, who's been really good. And uh, I like this trade. Toronto getting three first. Um, you know, Bruce Brown is another the guy they can flip at the deadline or they can keep whatever they want to do. Um, yeah. So I don't hate it for Toronto either. Obviously, looking back at it, Toronto maybe could have gotten way better value years ago for Siakman OG, and this is what they're settling on now. Uh, for Evan Vliet as well as in that category. If they just decided to blow it up last year, does you know the value look different? And I think there is definitely a chance it could have been. But you know what? Shout out to Toronto for at least you know going this direction, finally choosing that path forward. And now they got some assets and some a little bit of a interesting future ahead of them. Yeah, and for the Pacers, uh, it's kind of interesting that they're the team that took a risk with Pascal resigning because he'll be a free agent this summer. Um, it, but so that was one of the reasons why people thought Siakam's value would be a little lower than it was. Um, but it sounds like he really wanted to go there. Uh, Halliburton behind the scenes has really uh, been putting on the full court press um, to get him to feel wanted. And it sounds like um, I don't think they'll sign an extension during the season. 
but it sounds like in the off season they're going to overpay him by giving him a max, and he'll be happy from that. And the Pacers don't really get a ton of free agents unless they overpay like they did with Bruce Brown um, this past off season. So uh, yeah, pretty good move for them. Um, I think Siakam is, is a good fit with Halliburton. Uh, you still keep healed, so you can either trade him or, um, you know, keep him and figure out what to do with him and Matherin. Um, you still keep Obi Toppin and uh, Jalen Smith, so you have a little bit of glut at the power forward position now. Um, so you maybe need to figure out one more move there to kind of consolidate. But uh, I like that a team like the Pacers, I believe they're the smallest market in the NBA. Um, it's it's cool that they're going all in and are are going for a guy who could potentially leave them for nothing this offseason. Um, so if that happens, unfortunately for them, this is a horrible trade. But as long as they retain him, um, I think this is a good move. And I think the value was good for Toronto considering the circumstances, but it also wasn't a ton to give up if you're – uh, Indiana, it was rumored they were unwilling to part with any of their younger players um, and preferred to just give up more draft compensation instead. And I think that was the right play. And uh, yeah, so I think it it's once again an- another trade that kind of works for both teams, even though it's sad that Toronto no longer has anyone from their championship roster. Yeah, there's something to be said, of course, about, you know, people are just saying like, well, why didn't the Pacers just sign him in the offseason? Because obviously the main thing is get getting someone's foot in the door can change a lot. Like if they mm-hmm. are there for the experience for half a season, they know what it was like. Maybe they you know liked what they seen or, you know, felt good about being there. So obviously you take that chance. And again, everything that was said after the trade that uh, Siakam I also saw something about. Uh, that Miles Turner was like his second or was it like the second player on his wish list of play that he wanted to play with apparently behind um, Katie. That's a yeah. weird list. But. <laughs> yeah. So uh, <laughs> sounds like he's happy to be there and is going to resign there. Uh, he's probably going to get a r- big contract and it might look really bad in the future. Who knows? Obviously he's 29 years old. So, uh, but I, and by no means is this trade make the Pacers contenders, but it definitely gets them into the direction of that. Uh, and the main thing is, of course, they kept Matherin, Jarris Walker out of the trade. They kept pretty much every core piece out of the trade, which is obviously something that needs the, you know, round of applause because that's, you know, I thought for sure that you jury was not going to do any business unless, you know, Matherin or Walker in the trade, uh, especially right. Matherin. Matherin would have been a perfect fit for Toronto. Like he would have been great for them. Uh, but the fact that they kept him. I do wonder what Jairus Walker's future looks like in Indiana now because I'm not really sure. Oh, yeah, I didn't even mention him at Power Forward either. Yeah, yeah. like I don't know where, where his opportunity would be in this team right now. I'm not sure. Uh, but, you know, that's a asset maybe later on for another trade uh, if they decide to make another move. Uh, Buddy Hill's contract, as you mentioned, is still there. So I think Indiana's setting themselves up pretty good and they're, you know, going all in on Halliburton, who they got in return for Sabonis. And, uh, Pacers are a fun team. You know, they're a very fast paced team. And, um, that, and I was watching a video today where, uh, Toronto last year was like one of the slowest paced teams in the NBA and, you know, Siakam and a, you know, run and gun offense could be a lot of fun. So I'm excited to, uh, which we get to watch them tomorrow. I think Siakam's playing. So yeah, Siakam's uh, making and if Halliburton is back too, that's cool. And I know we should want to win and hope that Halliburton's out or whatever, but I would love to see the first game. I don't game. think it matters. Yeah, at this, <laughs> matter. at this point, it doesn't matter. But, uh, yeah, Siakam, Halliburton, that would be a lot of fun to watch tomorrow. So uh, that's cool. That That's a luxury we get to see them. Uh, or Siakam's debut tomorrow, which is cool. Yeah, it's just it's weird, though, because I, there was also another small trade between Detroit and oh, Washington yeah. where Marvin Bagley uh, goes to uh, Washington and um, – was it Muscala and Gallinari. who's the other player? Uh, Gallinari. Gallinari, that's yeah. right. Go to the Pistons just because they were just trying to get off of Bagley's money long term, which they just signed that contract lot, uh, not this past offseason, but a year ago. So um, it's always funny when GM's salary dump salary, uh, deals that they made. Um, but 
other than the that like a couple small ones, it's pretty much been Toronto controlling the trade markets right now. And that's just crazy because for so long they were the team that like was frustrating other GMs and no one wanted to deal with Ujuri anymore because he was so ridiculous on his asking prices. And then he he trades them both OG and Siakam for fairly reasonable amounts. Uh, it's kind of ironic, I think, that the 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 Raptors of all teams have controlled what what's happened so far in the NBA. And I think they kind of set the market then for some of these other players that aren't quite as good as OG and Siakam, how much they should potentially go for in a deal. Yeah, it's it's funny uh, that you mentioned that because, you know, as you said, your jury has always been frustrating to deal with. Uh, as far as that, I forgot about that Wizards and Pistons trade. <laughs> I, 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 you know, they trade, they send two seconds to Washington. Uh, I think this was a good trade for the Wizards getting Bagley, who actually had a good game for them tonight. I'm not yeah, really sure. Yeah, 20 and 11, I think. Yeah, I'm not sure if he'll ever be like a cornerstone there by any means. No. And um, But I, I do think the Pistons, which it's interesting from their angle because now they're going to have, you know, I think they're one of the teams with the most cast space in free agency. So whatever they do with that cast space, we'll see. Obviously, Detroit is not a free agency destination, but they did convince like Jeremy Grant to sign there, at, you know, for you know giving him. A nice little contract when no one thought he'd be paid that much as as much as he was, um, not off season. And so uh, I don't know what Detroit's plans are. Obviously, there's been rumors that they've been interested in Siakam, and now I think there's rumors about them being interested in Jonte Murray. Like Detroit, don't really know what the direction is there, but uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do with that cast space, whether it's just taking bad contracts on, or maybe they overpay someone in the off season, which I could see possibly happening. Um, if there's some player out there that just cares about getting a bag, that is definitely possible. Um, we'll see who that is. And then Washington. And I, I do also think that Detroit could potentially flip Gallinari for a second, potentially, maybe even Muscala. Uh, yeah. But we'll, we'll see. So they could net those second round picks back. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, the other than that, those are the last, you know, those are the two trades that we uh, talked about or we didn't get to talk about. So I looked it up. Um, Keith Smith on Twitter had his updated salary cap projections after these trades. And he has Detroit currently at around 50 million in cap space, possibly up to 66 million if they either um, trade Bogdanovich for an expiring or if they um, just waive him in the offseason because I think they can get out of his contract. So potentially 66 million. And then you got Orlando at 42 million potentially, and Philadelphia uh, at almost or 41 million or so. Man, those are going to be some interesting teams to watch free agency. Obviously, free agent free agency hasn't been the same. It really hasn't really had anybody like move anywhere other than Brunson. That was like the last big free agent that moved teams. It feels like, um, but yeah, so. Detroit is going to throw someone a bag. I also think Orlando is interesting because obviously their timeline is accelerated a little bit with how decent they've been this year. Um, Mm -hmm. But then everyone's on almost every one of their core pieces is still on a rookie contract. So uh, I think they could maybe pay someone as well. Although I'm not really sure how good the free agency market is going to be now. Obviously you'll have OG and Siakam who two guys that are projected to be resigned now. So I don't even know who the best free agent. I know Tobias Harris is a name, but well, Kawhi just resigned yeah, too. Yeah, Kawhi resigned as well. So I guess I, Paul George right now could theoretically be in there, but I doubt I think it. Definitely LeBron could too, right? Yeah, LeBron could. So someone go draft Bronny, I guess. Um, so yeah. Um, but with that all being said, obviously the Blazers are kind of feel like the focus now that Toronto has sent the two guys out. Cause we have, as we've been talking about a few veterans that I feel like a lot of teams could enjoy for going on a run. Uh, of course you have Brogdon who I think it sounds like he's going to be moved uh, based off what everyone's saying. And then you have Jeremy Grant, which it sounds like Portland is not interested in moving at all. Um, I don't know if that's a mistake or not. Uh, what are your overall thoughts on, you know, Brogdon and Jeremy Grant's market out there right now. I haven't heard, I haven't seen too much about Thibel, but uh, I know Grant and Brogdon have been talked about a lot. Yeah, apparently Brogdon is available. The Blazers are looking to move him. Um, I'd be 
shocked if he was on the roster after the trade deadline. Um, you know, outside of the Dame situation, Cronin does have a history of taking care of players. Um, and I don't think Brogdon, he's been good while he's here in terms of being, you know, that coach on the floor and mentor and stuff like that. But I think he wants to be on a team that has a chance to win right now as he gets into his 30s. Um, so I, I would be surprised if they didn't just take care of him and trade him. Uh, we saw this summer someone who never even played a game with us uh, for Drew Holiday. Um, we took care of him and got him to a contender that he wanted to go to. Um, and so I think uh, I think that's going to be a similar situation. And I think Brogdon's going to have value similar to what we got for Josh Hart last um, trade deadline. So some sort of expiring uh, a young player, maybe, and a first round pick. Maybe just an expiring and a first round pick, but some some sort of value along those lines. And I know everyone right now is talking about the Knicks, of course, because the Knicks, we yeah. made a trade with them last year, so it only makes sense that we can make another trade with them. Obviously, what mm -hmm. we got in return for Josh Hart was um, Cameron Reddish, Ryan Archidiakono, I believe. Or was he in that? Yeah, he was in that trade. Yeah. And then uh, Svima Kyluk was also in that trade. And then obviously it was a lot of turned it into like a weird yeah multi-team trade. Yeah, and we just combined two trades. So Thibault technically, I think, was part of the trade, but yeah. And then uh, that lot protected first that obviously conveyed it being like pick twenty-three, uh, which obviously we used to draft Chris Murray. Um, so you could see a similar situation to that again because obviously the Knicks have another expiring contract, that being Evan Fournier. And Quentin Grimes just sounds like someone they want to move. So people are dreaming about the idea of the Knicks giving us Quentin Grimes with Fournier and maybe uh, the Mavericks pick people have been talking about or whatever it may be. Um, yeah. I don't I don't feel like the Knicks would do that. I don't know why. Something tells me they're not going to move Grimes and a first for Brogdon. I think that's a little rich. But if they do, I'm all, I'm all on board. That sounds awesome because I just feel like Grimes is someone they need to make that next move because i just don't know if i know brogdon could be in theory that next move but i feel like grimes is a player that i think a lot of teams would want and in return if they were trading a star away which is what the knicks angle should be uh but i don't know what are your thoughts on it do you think do you think that's too hefty of a price for the knicks or what you think here's what i think uh you know how they got i think they won their first five games or so and they end up losing a game, but um, they won again, um, which will be last night by the time you see this video. But um, I think they're doing well enough with OG that they might start to think they're closer than they are and not need to go all in on a Donovan Mitchell or a, a star like that. And if that's the case... I could absolutely see them. Brogdon's a really steady player. Um, you know what you're getting. I, I think he'd be a good Tibbs guy. Um, I think uh, he'd fit in pretty much on multiple teams' rosters, but the Knicks, I think he he can slide in and be, just be a part of that team. Uh, you know, he won six man of the year last year on the Celtics. So the Knicks would have been familiar with them in the, in their own division. Uh, so, yeah, I think, uh, I think they might just overpay. Now there's rumors that they're also interested in Bruce Brown. So that 48 contract and one of those assets would probably be going in that. Um, I don't know if that's more of a priority than Brogdon is. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I if if they don't get Bruce Brown, um, I don't know if they're gonna. I think Dejounte is a weird fit. Mm -hmm. um, so that pretty much, I don't think they're gonna go after Levine. Kobe no, Altman, Rozier has been talked about yeah. for them as well. Yeah, Kobe Altman in Cleveland saying he's not trading Donovan Mitchell. I who knows if that's one hundred percent true, but he made some definitive statement that he wasn't available. Um, but yeah, that leaves Terry Rozier, who I don't know. He's 
Rozier's more of an offensive guy. I know Brogdon is too, but it feels like Brogdon's better in like a team defensive scheme like the Knicks would run. And so I feel like Brogdon's a little bit better fit than Rozier, even though Rozier's having a really nice season and has been playing really well, as we've talked about on who's crushing it several times. Um, and I feel like there's some other teams like the Heat possibly that could be in on Rogier who um, could use a little bit of scoring over um, defense or whatever. So I, I don't know. It's definitely a possibility, um, but I, I could definitely see things kind of bidding up to that point where we do acquire both Grimes and a first, uh, like you said, not a very good first, but some sort of pick compensation. Because I think there are teams that would give us at least an expiring and a first. So how do you differentiate all these different offers if multiple teams are offering an expiring and a first? Uh, Grimes is a way for the Knicks to improve that offer, in my opinion. So do you think Grimes would be a great long-term fit here? Or do you think that's a guy we're looking to move later on? Or what do you, what do you think about Grimes if we hypothetically did get him? Yeah. Uh, it's, that's a really tough question because he is like a six, five guard. Um, he would instantly, uh, be our best point of attack defender. I think he's better than Thibel on ball. Now he's not as good in the passing lanes as Thibel or like gambling for steals. Uh, but he's, he's a really solid, really good defending guard and he competes on that end. Um, so I, I I really like his fit next to Amphrey. I know that doesn't make sense with Scoot and Sharp or where that leaves all four of them. But I think between between uh, Grimes and, and Sharp, I think one of them can play the three a little bit so you can kind of make it work. It is a little clunky, but in terms of if you're just trading Brogdon and you're basically getting a young player thrown into it along with that first. I don't think you can get much better or you can be too much pickier. <laughs> like, oh, we need a small forward or we need this <laughs> position, you know, because like none of the other prospects on the Knicks are good enough, I think, to make a difference in a trade like this. So um, I personally think Grimes is really good and has a lot of untapped potential if he got on the right team. I don't know if that right team is Portland, but I would be fine with them taking that chance. He's only going to make, um, I think it's a little over $4.3 next year in the last year of his rookie deal. So it's a cheap contract. Uh, you can flip him pretty easily to any number of teams um, in the offseason if it didn't work out the rest of this season. You kind of showcase him like we did with Sharp at the end of last season, you know? Um, let him get some minutes, let him have some more responsibility than he got in New York and see if he um, kind of shows some of those things he was showing in summer league a couple years ago where um, he looked like he could potentially be like a, a go-to guy on a, on a team. Um, so, yeah, I would definitely try to tap into that, and I wouldn't mind. I don't know if it would be a long-term fit. I think you still would have to get rid of him or one of your other guards at some point. And it would probably be him since he's not the established one here where uh, fans all love him already. But, um, but yeah, I, I, I would absolutely take a chance on a guy like that who has shown some promise, uh, but for whatever reason just hasn't worked out in New York for him. Yeah, one other thing as well. Obviously, the the big star trade might not be there for the Knicks at the deadline because I don't, I can't even think of any other stars that are available at this point, other than obviously the Don, r rumor Donovan Mitchell and Dejounte Murray. But as you mentioned, Zach Levine, yeah, Levine as well. If they wanted to go for him, um, so there is some interesting reports about Tom Thibodeau and Quentin Grimes not getting along. So there mm -hmm. might be some pressure to move Grimes at the deadline potentially. So. That could also help out Portland's case if he was involved. Uh, so, yeah, definitely possible to see Grimes to Portland if they really do end up choosing, you know, to trade for Malcolm Brogdon. But, uh, you know, most of the time we don't feel great about the trades we make. So I'm going to wait and see if it happens. It's like yeah. that'd be awesome if it did. Um, and then, of course, 
I'm praising him. If that if if Cronin's able to get Grimes and and a first um and off the money, I mean that's basically adding a fourth first round pick and a young player to the Dame trade. Um we already have three in Tamani, and then we'd still have Robert Williams as part of that deal as well. So um I I think that's um I think that's 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 pretty good. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean I'm I didn't want to trade Dame, obviously, but yeah. like, I'm, I, it's it's starting to show the value. So, I yeah, I I, I definitely would. Um, I mean, I'm not doing like handstands or whatever to um, celebrate, but like, I I would definitely say that's a good trade uh, for the Blazers and uh, a really good move by Cronin. But um, yeah, like you said, we gotta <laughs> wait to see what he pulls off first before we applaud him for that. All right, so Jeremy Grant. So Jeremy Grant is someone that I think a lot of teams, now that Siakam is gone, I think Jeremy Grant would be a perfect fit for a lot of teams. Sacramento, mm-hmm. Dallas has been mentioned. And Dallas sounds like the most interested team at the moment. Portland right now is playing their cards that we're not looking to move him, which is what they should be doing. They should try to say that we're not moving him. Maybe that obviously gives the market value a little bit higher. Uh, but, you know, Tori made a video about, you know, we should absolutely move Grant. And I couldn't agree more. I honestly think, you know, obviously there's the potential we keep him and it wouldn't like be the worst thing in the world to just keep him. But I do think moving him right now would be in our best interest because there's a lot of interested teams. Uh, teams are looking to contend. And Grant right now to me, uh, as far as forwards are concerned, is probably the best one available. We don't really know what Kuzma's status is, who is another one I'm thinking of. Uh, Siakam has been moved. Grant, to me, is the guy that I think is left and that I think a lot of teams would be desperate to get right now. Like, for instance, mm-hmm. Dallas, him, Luca, Kyrie, to me, next to Lively is perfect. And I know Portland fans have been talking about, well, let's get Lively in return. That's not happening, obviously. Yeah, not happening. Yeah, so, but he would be perfect in Dallas. Sacramento, same thing. Next is a bonus. Would be awesome for them. Uh, now, as far as what Grant's value is, is I'm not 100% sure. I would love to optimistically think that two firsts could be involved. That's my most optimistic thinking. I'm not saying we're getting Keegan Murray or something like that from Sacramento or, um, again, Derek Lively. We're not getting that either. But uh, whether it's a bunch of, you know, Kleba salary to Hardaway salary or whatever it is from Dallas or, and then Sacramento's got like Herder salary, which Sacramento doesn't have like a lot of, and then, they don't have Rashawn Holmes anymore. That's in Dallas. So, yeah, Dallas to me is a team we should be looking to move because they do have some shorter contracts that we could take on. Hardaway is only like two years left if he was involved, although they should try their best to keep him. I would love to see us make a trade with the Mavericks. I think that Jeremy Grant to Dallas is, makes a ton of sense right now, and I think that's what we should be looking to do. That way we can start Kamara and whatever else we need to do at the four. Jabari Walker, like, it'd be awesome, but it sounds like they're not interested in moving him. What are your thoughts on Jeremy Grant right now? Yeah, I'm hoping that's just a smokescreen. But yeah, everything that's being reported, I've, I've tried to do some digging as well. And yeah, I get the same response every time. They're not interested in moving him. And uh, they'll take calls. Um, but they're basically saying like, like Dallas called them, I guess, and um, offered them a bunch of stuff outside of lively like you mentioned and portland said that wasn't enough and so uh the same thing they said about toronto um and siakam when dallas tried to get siakam um so yeah i don't know man uh i i'm with you i i think he needs to be moved um i just i don't understand why when you're finally in a position that you have players that are worth value in trades and you're a team that's not trying or going to win this year or probably next year or anytime in the near future why you wouldn't try to maximize any assets you have that have value right now and like you mentioned i believe Jeremy fits um, plug and play on so many different teams. And a lot of those teams have contracts to match. They have at least one 
like unprotected pick. Now, maybe that's not enough, but they have some value there with picks or a pick that's really good pick. And then, um, you know, a lot of teams have a couple of young players now, whether it's guards or something like Jaden Hardy, like it probably doesn't make a ton of sense. Um, I mean, I talked about Grimes, but Grimes is like, he's kind of like a two, three, like you can play some three. Whereas if you get another guard, that's more of a point guard or a combo one, two, then you're, I think getting into trouble because you have Scoot and Anthony still, and you don't really have a lot of time or minutes to develop another on the ball guy. Um, whereas Grimes could be off ball, off ball cause he's a good shooter. Uh, so I don't know like if if any of their assets are good enough to kind of throw in to put their offer over the top in terms of Dallas because they can only offer one first round pick at this point. Um, but maybe you get super creative and you do something like if we got Dallas's pick from oh, yeah. Yeah. from New York in the Brogdon trade. And then we're like, hey, you can unprotect this pick. And then maybe they, like, suck at the end of the season. Or, you know, I I don't wish injuries on someone. But, like, you know, maybe someone gets hurt, like Luca or Kyrie again. And then they falter at the end of the season. And then all of a sudden we're sitting there with their lottery pick. And stuff. <laughs> so, and then that also, because, like, them and Golden State and several other teams are if we have both of their picks and they're all fighting for those last few playoff spots, the chances of one of them falling out and being a lottery pick increase. So maybe you could do something there where you get their 2024 pick unprotected, or maybe you trade that back to them, their 2024 pick and get their 2025 pick instead. And now you're talking about possibly having a chance at like uh Cooper flag or ace bailey or someone like that in a draft and then you're starting to get really good i i think so um they they could maybe be creative like that and do something but um i don't know dallas it's like right on the edge of like i'd probably be okay with it if that's the best offer they can offer a 2027 first unprotected um, but Luca's still young enough to where I don't know how good that pick's going to be. So yeah, it's it's kind of in that range where I, they don't have the best package to give for Jeremy, but it's also I think worth considering if if that's like the best offer. But I do think there's other teams that could possibly give us more in a trade as well. And again, I can't express enough how I feel like the market right now for Grant is high. Like, yeah. just based off where things are shaping up right now, he mm. might be the best forward available, as I mentioned. So, it, it just seems like the right time. And I didn't know if it would be or not, but with just the way the market's shaping, it makes so much sense to move him right now. It really does. It truly yeah. does. And I hope we look into it. Uh, I hope Cronin at least, you know, looks into it and considers it and moves him because I don't think – I, I feel like keeping him long term is doing more harm than good. I'm um, obviously you yeah. get the veteran leadership, but um, I think giving minutes to one of the other younger guys would be a lot better than just seeing Grant play here. And I know Grant's one of those guys. He there was like a article that came out that he says I'm cool here. Or, you know, we know you are. We know how you're getting paid, and you you know you were in Detroit like cool. So like I, I'm not surprised Grant is not like looking to get out of here, and I don't expect him to want to be out of here, but. I, you know, he would, he'd have a lot more fun on a better team. I feel like, although maybe he doesn't care, but <laughs> I mean, there was a time where he was a free agent coming off a Western conference finals run with Denver and signs and, Detroit. and he, I was offered the exact same contract with Denver and still chose Detroit over, <laughs> over that. So he's just a, he's a different, different kind of guy, man. Yeah. Uh, very chill. I don't, yeah, I don't think he, like, I don't think he's like, I have to stay in Portland, but I also don't think he, he really cares if he's traded or not. So, um, but yeah, I think it's important to note that almost every trade we've made 
especially in the Cronin era, it's always like, well, we had to trade him. We had no leverage. We had to get under the cap. We had to do this. And we're always like selling low on players, right? Like Norm's a negative contract. <laughs> Rocco, we got like pennies on the dollar for what we gave up for him. CJ, we waited too long to trade him, so we didn't get much value. Um, you know, like it, it seems like we're always doing that kind of move, you know? And so this is the prime example of of buy low, sell high. And we bought Jeremy at a very low cost because uh, Detroit was interested in getting the cap space. We had a way with the trade exception to absorb his contract. So it only cost us a first round pick. And then they used that pick and the cap space we gave them to flip it into getting Jalen Duran in the draft. So it was a good move for Detroit as well. But like, you, you bought low on him. Like, let's sell our assets at the highest point right now. And it's not, I'm not saying every asset you have to trade. Um, and then it's just like this perpetual trade everyone whenever their value is highest. There's obviously core pieces moving forward. And we know who those guys potentially are. And it's Scoot, Anthony, and Shaden. At least two of those three are our core moving forward. And I think everything else is still up in the air. But what I do know is Jeremy, I think, fits fine with that core. But I don't think he fits fine like in four years with that core when those guys are all in their prime and ready to make that jump. So I don't think it makes sense to to keep him if his value is high right now. I think you just got to move him. And I'd rather have those assets moving forward to where we could make a big all-in move for the next star that becomes available in like three or four years because we have a ton of assets rather than be stuck with Jeremy and then he's a negative contract in three years and then we're having to, we get like a second round pick for him and it's too late to do anything and we haven't won anything with him. So like, what did it, why do we keep him? And so I I just think you you want to use your vets at least to take advantage of the 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 situation right now in the NBA where I think a lot of those guys would be coveted um, and there's teams trying to win or get over the hump. There's a glut of teams in the East that are all right around each other and now the Knicks make a move and the Pacers make a move. So how do teams like uh, Philly and um uh, Milwaukee and uh Miami um Orlando all these teams that are right around where the Pacers and Knicks are like what are they going to do to then not get passed up and left behind by those teams so uh, there's just so many options right now of teams that could make a case that they um there's 12 teams in the west that all legitimately think they can make the playoffs right now um and so like there's there's got to be a way to maximize these assets and i would definitely do it this season but um yeah it, it doesn't sound like they're too keen on finding out what his value is well hopefully as you said as a smoke green i absolutely agree with everything you said it makes all the sense to move him right now trade him at his highest value not wait years later till where we oh we had to move him type of move like this is our choice to do it now and i think it makes sense to do it we'll see if it happens uh but i wanted to move to who's crushing it um so my first one this week is tobias harris tobias harris has been really good he had 37, 37 points against the kings 32 against the hawks and then uh, hit some big shots against that, you know, or against uh, Denver, uh, scoring 24, 8 of 10 from the field, 2 of 4 from 3. Uh, was really amazing in that Nuggets game. Uh, he's playing well right now, and uh, I, I feel like it's going a little unnoticed, but Tobias Harris has been uh, amazing for the Sixers. Yeah, it's no longer a case where I don't think they're going to dump his contract. I mean, obviously, if they got a star player or whatever, they they have to include him just to match. Oh, they might not have to because they have some other um, expiring contracts. But um, 
Yeah, they have a lot of things. We talked about that a lot on Hoops Crush, uh, their their situation. Um, but yeah, he's he's definitely playing well, and uh, and Bede has a what a thirty five and ten streak going on. Um, so they kept him in the game in the fourth quarter to make sure he extended that in their last game. Uh, but uh, yeah, that team uh, has has surprised me with how well they played, considering. Um, the way their season started off with Harden sitting out and all that kind of stuff. Absolutely. Who is your um, first one? Well, I have a couple guys on the Utah Jazz. Uh, the Jazz have been phenomenal lately. I know they lost tonight to OKC, but over the last three games, uh, Laurie Markkinen's averaged 27.7 and 9.3 rebounds while shooting 59.5% from the field and 56.3% from three. Tonight, uh, those the tonight's numbers weren't factored into that, but he he had twenty six and ten in a losing effort tonight, and then Colin Sexton tonight had thirty one and seven, and he's been playing great ever since being put in the starting lineup, and that's when they started taking off, and uh, so it's nice to see uh, Sexton actually becoming uh, close to the player that he was supposed to be coming out of college. And those two players right there, man, Laurie's been playing like a, a top 10 or 15 player in the league. Uh, should definitely be an all-star, I think, this year. And uh, that team uh, is looking kind of scary now. It's that uh, everyone thought they'd probably trademark it in and, um, you know, continue to rebuild. But uh, they're looking a little bit closer than um, people thought. And it's it makes me wonder if that's the right play for them or if they should uh, uh, continue to bottom out. Um, but for now, I mean, I think they're having fun winning and uh, they they just play really good and they're really well coached. And uh, it's kind of uh, they're kind of setting the example of uh, of a way you can be kind of competitive, but also rebuild. Absolutely. My next one is a blazer actually it's okay. uh do all breathe do all breathe uh has hit at least two threes in the last do all breathe has hit at least two threes in the last three games has scored 14 against Timberwolves, 17 against the suns and 17 against the nets so uh and he's been pretty solid this year for us and uh, i don't think we have yet to sign him to a guaranteed contract yet right for the rest of the season He's um, still on a two-way. So uh, uh, we'll see what they do with him. But, yeah, he's been pretty pretty damn good for Portland. So love what he's brought to the table. I believe the uh, Saturday, um, the 20th coming up here, is the two weeks. We have two weeks to get up to 14 players on the roster. So sometime between – when you're watching this video, um, if it hasn't already happened yet, and Saturday, the Blazers have to at least make some sort of roster move. It could be as simple as signing someone to a 10-day contract to extend that window another week and a half, um, which is probably what they'll do at this point. But whether it's a trade or signing Reef to the actual team or what, um, I, I'm guessing they're going to wait till the last possible minute to make sure they have that roster spot. But um, yeah, something has to give in the next couple of days because the Blazers have to make a move. Definitely. All right. Uh, my next guy is a former Utah Jazz uh, player. That's Rudy Gobert. Um, Minnesota's, of course, been great this season. Uh, actually, as we're talking, that game has not finished yet. Got to check the score. But uh, over the last uh, week, he's been averaging 19.3 points, 17 rebounds, 2.3 blocks, and shooting a whopping 77.8% from the field. So he's been playing really nice. Minnesota ended up having a big second half. It looks like they were down at halftime. They cover a huge 12 and a half point spread Damn. and uh, win by 15. Um, and Rudy Gobert in this one ha only had 17 and 10 with six blocks. Man, what a horrible game. <laughs> <laughs> Jaron Jackson at 36 for the Grizzlies, who were without like half their team. Wow. 
that's uh pretty wild um which um another one that i just thought of gg jackson had a great game the other night uh yeah against the he only had one point tonight but yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh my my uh last one uh and obviously we know how good he is but uh the other night was the first thunder game i've gotten to watch this year because it was actually on tnt so right. i watched it paul george absolutely cooked in the fourth quarter um was just absolutely amazing just kept was just got really on fire towards the end uh ends up scoring 38 against his former team obviously obviously the shea paul george trade will forever be talked about um yeah. he had 37 against the grizzlies as well 29 against the raptors so Paul George, my last one, absolutely beautiful performance the other night um, against Oklahoma City, and so I I had to talk about him on here. Yeah, uh, my last one is Jaden Ivy. Uh, he's been playing a lot more, and they kind of are freeing him a little bit to be himself. Uh, and over the last three, he's averaging twenty four point seven points, six point seven assists, and six rebounds. So putting up some pretty big numbers uh, and shooting 50.8% from the field. So uh, he's starting to play like the prospect he was thought to be and not like another prospect on that team, Killian Hayes. But <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I feel like they have to use Ivy more with Kid Cunningham out. So yeah, uh, <laughs> makes sense. But uh, mm -hmm. uh, do we have a prospect watch to end this one off today? Yes. Uh, so this week... Um, this guy is, dude, this is my draft crush. I have, well, I have two, uh, which we'll get to on another, uh, <laughs> another one of these. But my current draft crush and number two prospect on my big board, I want to know if you've even heard of this guy, Green. Okay, <laughs> I'll let you know. His name is Tijon Salon. I uh, don't... I would have to see his name. Yeah. It's T I D J A N E S A L A U N. I don't think I've heard of him to be yeah. honest with you. <laughs> All right. So this guy is super young. He'll still only be 18 at the time of the draft. Um he's listed at 6'10. He's like 6'9, 6'10. Um, seven foot plus wingspan, just super athletic, rangy. Um he had a late growth spurt like a lot of players do. Um, so he has kind of like really good motions and, and kind of moves like a guard, but he's like really big. Like a, I don't think he's like a big man, but he's more like a small forward, power forward type combo. Um, and this guy can do it all, man. I don't know what I'm like missing when it comes to him other than he's just super like raw and hasn't been playing basketball a long time um but he plays in uh one of the french leagues and uh this guy can score at three different levels man he can he can drive to the hoop and finish he's got a really uh decent mid-range game um uses his size well to shoot over the top of defenders um can pull up in pretty much any position and his three-point shot um i mean percentages kind of vary it's hard to tell it like some of the leagues over there um the stats are uh like for only a few games or whatever but um his three-point shot looks really good in my opinion i think he's going to be a good three-point shooter in the nba um and he also um he projects as like a really top end defender in the nba that can guard pretty much any position one through five um, because he's got the size and quickness to do so. Um, I just think this guy is going to, I'm not going to say like, he's like Giannis or whatever, but I think this guy could be the next guy we're like, man, how did no, no one pick him higher or whatever. And, um, I'm just all in on, on to John. Um, I, I just think he's going to be really good and, uh, I just love love watching him play, man. He's he's I think he's everything you want out of a forward. And I'm I'm like salivating at the Blazers potentially getting him at this point. Uh yeah, he sounds like very very intriguing. I don't think I've ever heard of him. I really don't. Yeah. Uh 
So he's rising up draft boards. So like he was someone who was like a late first um, earlier in the season. And now he's like pretty much like mid first on almost everyone's board. So um, yeah, it's, it's crazy how fast he's rising up, but uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he's up near the top five towards the end of this process. But yeah, I'm, I'm right now, I'm saying it right now. I, I think he's going to be behind Alex Sar, the, the second best player in this draft. Man, that's a crazy prediction, <laughs> but I like it. Um, but I think that is going to do it for this one. A uh, little fun episode. Uh, we will be back next week. Um, but thank you guys for watching as always. Make sure to drop a like, subscribe if you are new around here. Um, of course, there's a bunch of content always on this channel. We are also available on Spotify and uh, Apple, so it's wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, but that's it for us. Thank you guys for watching. Uh, peace out. Go Blazers.